You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sean, one of the elders here at Crossroads, also one of the members of our teaching team. To all of you watching from home, it's, it's great to have you join us as well. I don't know if we can do this with the cameras, but let's give a wave to Pastor Paul, who's probably watching at home. Come on, raise your hands. Hi, Paul. We miss you. We love you. And uh, we are so happy that, that the operation went well and that you already are back at home on the road to recovery. Speaking of which... That's the name of our series, Road to Recovery. And it's a time that we wanted to recognize all the stuff that went on during the time of the pandemic. I know we prefer to look forward and not linger on the past, but sometimes you've got to do that just to figure out how to move forward. And so in the last weeks, we've looked at stress, We've looked at dealing with our emotions, and today we're going to look at relationships. It's a big topic. It's a, it's a really important topic. I was saying to Anita beforehand, I found it quite hard to prepare because it's, it's such a huge topic, and yet it's so important. You look at Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of the Bible God says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a companion. And when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus gets asked, so Lord, what is the most important of the commandments? And he says this, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like this, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Being in relationship with our heavenly Father and being in relationship with each other is in our DNA. It's what life is about. Probably if we're thinking rationally, it is the most important thing for us. So I'm going to do a little experiment. Maybe we can get the slide up with the eight buckets. There we go. On those buckets, you will see words like snake, clowns, heights, small space, losing a loved one, darkness, public speaking, and spiders. Now imagine those buckets were lined up here in front of us, and I would ask you to walk past, and I would ask you to put a coin in the bucket that represents your greatest fear. For my wife Sue, it'll be a close call between spiders and losing a loved one. For me, it would be snakes, by the way. But I think in the end, the bucket losing a loved one would prevail. And I suspect 
for just about all of you as well. Our relationships with the people closest to us, it's one of the, well, it is probably the most important thing to all of us. And yet, that raises a question. If it is so important, why then do we so take our relationships for granted? Why then are we so rubbish at protecting them, preserving them, investing time in them? I want to leave you with that question. I'm going to come back to it later in the service. As much as a sermon can create a cliffhanger, there it is. Think about it for a while. Those questions we could have asked ourselves even before the pandemic... And then the time of the pandemic came, and we had lockdown, and we had isolation, and it became even more difficult for us to spend time investing in our relationships. So we wanted to look at that, and we got two experts from our community. One is a counselor of kids, and another is an expert, a marital counselor, and we asked them, what did the pandemic do to those relationships? Now, before you sit here and you think, I don't have kids and I'm not married, so this is not for me. We have lots of different kinds of relationships. We have relationships with our parents, with our brothers and sisters, with our friends, with our colleagues, and yes, with our kids and our better halves. But the things that are going to be spoken about in these two videos apply generally to all of them. So, so pay attention, try and pick out two or three things from each video, and maybe, maybe I'll walk around with the microphone afterwards and ask you what you think. Let's have a look at those two videos. I'm going to take this back. Hello, uh, my name is uh, Elma from Mana from Boom. I'm working as a psychologist um, with very young children um, uh, and their families. And uh, when Crosswords asked me to uh, say something about the negative impact of uh, Corona on families, um, the first thing which came up, uh, what came up was uh, the African sentence, um, like it um, takes a village to raise a child. And I think a village is very important for us as families. So there are people around the children, like a teacher, a doctor, um, a neighbor, friends, parents of friends, now a lot of people around the children to learn them things, to be with them, to play with them, to uh, babysit them. So it's um, yeah, very important for the children, but also important for us as parents to have people around us. So we can ask for advices, uh, we can share our worries uh, about the children, we can pray for our children, we can share about our insecurities of uh, the parenthood. So that, that village wasn't there anymore. The people, yeah, we couldn't meet each other and there was a big di distance. So I think it took quite an effort to, um, um, to, to build up new kind of villages, for example, with Zoom, with your grandparents. But I think it's totally different than what we had before. So it's, it's quite an impact, I think, on the families. And um, yeah, the other thing I was thinking of um, was uh, yeah, the fact that everything 
had to be done at home, like all roles and duties and things we normally do on our work or wherever. Uh, it wasn't structured anymore, it was totally mixed up. So when I speak for myself, my mind was really full of everything and also things going on um, for the whole day. It, you didn't have the structure in going out of the house and coming home anymore. So the normal routines also as a family to rest and to meet each other and to really have attention for each other, yeah, that, that falls away. And yeah, it only was a full head of all those things. So to really have interest for your til children and to really know what they're growing through and what they're thinking of and yeah, everything uh, around it was mixed up and full. So it's, it, yeah, I think it's, it's, it was important to find new ways to and new routines to see each other and to really have time for, uh, for each other. Uh, the third thing I, I thought about was the stress already mentioned by uh, Johan and Sue um, two weeks ago. That yeah, we had of course a lot of stress, the fear about uh, yeah, what 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 effect did the COVID have on our health, but also um, uh, stress for the the financial situation. But also children were worried about their parents and their grandparents. So. It's good to realize that it's um, stress in a person, but also in a system, and uh, in the system as a family then, in this case. And um, yeah, I think it's good to realize that it's even more difficult to get relaxed again uh, and yeah, to, to do it together. But when we look to the, to the research, uh, they say that in the first year of COVID, we did it quite well as, a, as families, so families are quite resilient and uh, yeah, it was difficult, but we, we survived, <laughs> we did it. Um, uh, what also was in the research was it's quite um, yeah, shown that for more, more vulnerable uh, families, families who already had to cope with financial uh, problems or psychological problems, the, they had yeah, it was much more difficult for them and it was even more difficult to get the right help. So, but now the COVID restrictions are over and um, yeah, I really hope we, we can build um, um, yeah, new villages again in the church, uh, but also with neighbors, friends, family, uh, that we really can find each other again and that we can share again our worries, uh, our joys, uh, that we can pray again and uh, to really build a village for the children and, and for the parents. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's important to find each other again and we can really can you know, support the parents that they really have confidence for the future and yeah, give also that confidence through to the children. Yeah, and I, I, I really hope also that uh, we can also build an extra village or a good village for the vulnerable people and vulnerable families as well. And uh, yeah, I think they deserve it and it's very important for them. So. My name is Aukelien van Avema, difficult Dutch name, uh, and I'm a psychologist and I have my own private practice. As a couples counselor and as a, uh, what we call in the Netherlands, GZ-psycholoog. So I've been asked to speak on relationships and marriage and the impact of COVID on marriage. 
From research, what we know is that it's, it's complicated. The impact of COVID on marriages is, there's both negatives and there's positives. So what we see is, and this research has been done in several countries, that the best of obviously was financial stress for a lot of people over losing their jobs, losing their income, and having little children. Because having little children means uh, you, you were very much impacted in how you could perform your job, if you could do it. Um, having little children home all the time obviously makes it harder to get your work done and, and put stress on the relationship. But these are the two big factors impacting marriages during COVID. The good thing that happened was that travel got banned and for a lot of people that meant they had to stop commuting and they could just work from home. And obviously for a lot of people that was absolutely fine. They didn't miss the commute at all and it saved them energy and time and money and they could be at home more, which was a positive. Um, for, for us, for example, my husband normally travels about eight weeks a year, and now because he couldn't travel, he was home all the time. And having three children under six, that was very much a good thing for us. But if you look here in the Netherlands or in Europe, what we see is it was beneficial to some and it was bad for others. So what was beneficial I think for a lot of couples was that, especially husbands uh, who used to work five days a week and have a long commute, were now home all the time. So they could contribute more and it was also for their own well-being that they felt better about that. And uh, they didn't lose as much energy traveling to work and back. But if your relationship, and this is, this is where it gets tricky, if your relationship was already under stress because of communication patterns, then these communication patterns probably worsened for a lot of couples and what we mean by communication patterns in relation in couples counseling what we talk about is people are either uh, prone to fighting more or to withdrawing more and you can imagine you can be if you're both more the fighting type the clashes get more intense get bigger when you're home all the time and uh, if you don't have a good way of getting back together connecting back together if you don't have a proper way of working your way through those clashes, then this can lead to massive problems, especially when you're home all the time and confronted with each other all the time. If you have more of a withdrawing pattern, both of you, then that also gets worse when you're both at home all the time because then you miss out on each other while you're in the same space, which can feel really lonely and really complicated for a lot of couples. So if one of you is the withdrawer, and this is the pattern we see the most, one of you is the withdrawer and the other one is the fighter, you can imagine that also causes issues. Because the one who picks the fights is actually the one seeking the connection in a rather intense way. Whereas the one who's the withdrawer is more of the person who wants to keep the peace and the harmony and wants to save the relationship in his or her own way. So the, the patterns we see, um, during COVID were probably a bit more intense than they normally would have been. So if there was already an underlying problem, it's quite possible that during COVID, especially I think in the second and third lockdowns we had, were more visible. Because during the first lockdown, I think most people were in sort of mindset of survival and looking for the, the positives and enjoying their peace and their rest and the break from their normal social activities. So the first 
three months of COVID were stressful, but probably leading to a lot of good things. Whereas when it was prolonged and our nervous systems were actually depleted and we're all sort of tired from adjusting to this completely new situation, that was when for a lot of couples the real issues began. And that's what I saw in my practice as well. And well, the big question is probably for a lot of people, how do we get out of these negative patterns? The good news is that it's highly doable. You probably have to find yourself a good couples counselor, but you have to figure out, am I more of a withdrawer? Am I more of a, a fighter? And, and how can I connect to my partner in a way that works for both of us? How can I accept my own way of connecting? And also what's underneath my need to pick a fight or my need to withdraw? Is there childhood trauma, which there often is, if people have a, a very um, extreme tendency to withdraw or an extreme tendency to fight, there often is an, an underlying childhood trauma issue or relationship trauma issue um, that acts out in the current relationship, but doesn't necessarily mean you're in a bad relationship. You can be in a very good and safe and loving relationship and still fight and still not figure out how to get through those fights together. So I think that's the good news. It's highly doable to learn new patterns and to learn how to feel safe with your partner again or for the first time. Okay, free counseling offered to you by Crossroads TV. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not gonna walk around with the mic. Um, but I did want to quickly touch on some of the things that we sort of saw coming out of those two videos. The first thing I noticed was Elmer's statement, it takes a village to raise a kid. And I saw that statement with, sort of, or from, with two dimensions. The one was, we need lots of people speaking into our lives, speaking truth into our lives, just like those kids need a lot of people to help them grow and to develop as young individuals. We too need people speaking truth into our lives. That's the one dimension. And the other dimension I noticed was the piece of we need to be able to have people around us to share our worries, share our concerns, and to pray with. It takes a village to grow in our maturity. The other thing we heard about was boundaries, right? They spoke, both of them actually, about how everything had to happen at home. Work, play, teaching kids, cooking, all the roles all of a sudden at home. And the thing I took from that was healthy relationships sometimes also need healthy boundaries. We heard them speak about communication and communication patterns and how we can fall into the trap of our roles that we take in our relationship, and we also heard about the past, things that influence our behavior today because they happened in the past and how we need to bear with each other, how we need to move on and forgive. And the last thing that I noticed, and I see my time is short, so I'm hurrying on a bit. The last thing I noticed is how stress plays a role. When we have a weakness, when we have a tendency, when we play a certain role in the communication patterns between 
each other. When stress comes into the mix, it emphasizes that. It makes it worse. And we need to know that about each other. We need to give space and tolerate each other because sometimes stress makes things explode. Okay, so that's my interpretation of what the professionals say. But what does the Bible say? It can't very well be that God tells us we are not made to be alone and that we are made to be in relationship with Him and in relationship with each other and then not tell us how. And of course, the Bible tells us how. Unfortunately, it's not nicely in one little chapter with the heading, this is how to engage in positive relationships. It's not nicely wrapped in a ribbon for us. We need to go and read. We need to go and check it out. We need to look at the example that Jesus, for example, set for us in his time here on earth. But when we do that, we discover a wealth of, if you want, tips and tricks of how to engage in healthy relationships. And we're going to look at that. But I want to look at that from the perspective of answering the question I left you with a few minutes ago. If relationships are so important to us, why then are we so bad at protecting and preserving those relationships? Why do we so take them for granted? And I think it's because of something in society called hyper-individualism. Back in the 1960s, we lived in a society where rules and regulations and norms dictated to us what we needed to do, when we needed to do it, how we needed to do it. And so as a society, we wanted to break free. We wanted to cut ties with all those rules and regulations. We moved as a society away from the collective thinking, thinking in terms of us, we, to thinking in terms of the, the individual. What do I want? I think about it from my perspective. You see, we started thinking about our personal freedoms and our desires, what's in it for me, and that two-way street, that give and take that is so important in any relationship, to some extent got degraded to some kind of afterthought. If you think I'm exaggerating or over-dramatizing this, go and do some reading for yourself. Go and check out the trends, the numbers that surveys and research show us in terms of suicide numbers, substance abuse numbers, loneliness. Folks, it is everywhere. And the numbers are rising. It is scary when you look at what research is telling us. And I submit to you, it is a consequence of this hyper-individualism that we see throughout our society. And then the pandemic came, and we went into lockdown, into isolation, and became even more difficult for us to invest in our relationships. So what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to go, well, that's just the way it is, that's the way society has now developed, or are we going to fight back, as it were? And if so, how? Well, I'm going to look at what the Bible tells us. Usually a good place to find good answers. 
The first thing the Bible tells us is we need to nurture those relationships. Romans 12 verse 10, it's up on the, up on the screen. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. We live in a time of instant gratification. I want something, I pick up my phone, I go to ball.com or I go to Amazon, I click and I have it tomorrow. I'm hungry, why bother cooking? Deliveroo, gorilla, I'll have it within 10 minutes or maybe half an hour. Want to watch a TV program? Remember the old days when we had to watch it on a Monday and we had to wait a whole week, <laughs> right? For the next program, the good old days. Now we go on to Ziggo or Prime or Netflix, download the whole, what, whole lot, binge watch it six hours straight. Instant gratification. Problem is we do the same with our relationships, right? Facebook, we befriend somebody or we unfriend somebody. Or maybe one of those dating sites or Tinder. I'm not saying they're bad, by the way, but we swipe left, we swipe right, move on if we don't like someone. And then it doesn't work out. We go back on, we swipe left, we swipe right again. But real relationship doesn't work that way, does it? Real relationship takes time, takes investment. It's, it's messy. We have to see real relationship like looking after a young plant, actually. We need to give it some nutrition, some water. We need to put it in the sunshine. And not just once, by the way. Regularly. Because if we don't, the leaves will wither and die. So ask yourself, which of your relationships are suffering the drought of your neglect? Which of your relationships need a whole lot of love and attention? Think about those names that are popping into your mind right now. Maybe write them down when you get home. It's time to reinvest. It's time to nurture. That is what this verse from Romans chapter 12 is telling us. The second thing I take from Scripture is this. We need to bear with each other and forgive each other. Colossians 3 verse 13 tells us this, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know that list of names that I just mentioned to you? I wonder if some of you had in the back of your minds this little thought, yeah, but... So-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that, and I'm actually still pretty angry about that. Or every time we have this conversation, he or she gets a bit irritated, and it, it sort of lands up going nowhere, so I don't have time for that. I want to tell you about a relationship in my life, and it's with my daughter, who I've got a, I've got a brilliant relationship with. Ooh. Um, really, I think so at least, um, <laughs> except in one area. 
And that's when it comes to studies and schoolwork. Any parents out there recognizing this? I see some waves. Um, we are different in this area. And of course, Dad always picks the moment, usually at the end of the day, at the dinner table, we're all tired, and I say, hey, Rach, how's it going with schoolwork? Are you ready for your test week? And shame, poor Rach, she knows what's coming. She sort of shrugs her shoulders, rolls her eyes, and says, mm, Dad, yeah, it's going fine. And of course, I saw the rolled eyes, and you know, I, this is not good enough for me, so I escalate. Yeah, but fine, what does fine mean? You know, are you prepared? Have you planned? Have you, have you figured out how you're going to plan it around your hockey and your work and all these other things? And the conversation gets heated. And it goes, frankly, goes nowhere. I see my wife Sue sitting on the other side of the table going, oh, Sean, there you go again. And poof, we've achieved nothing. And I wish I could say I've only done that once. Those of you that are laughing, don't judge. <laughs> if you haven't had teenagers, you'll get there. But you see, folks, I've done this until recently. Yeah, and podcasts are good for things sometimes. Until recently, I read a pod or I listened to a podcast about having difficult conversations. And this person spoke about going into a difficult conversation and pretending that she was wearing armor. She was carrying a shield. It made me think of the armor of God. She went in ready, ready for what she knew was coming her way in that conversation, and then not to let it get us irritated or annoyed or feeling offended. And you see, that's what I think this verse from Colossians is telling us. Bear with each other and forgive each other. We heard it in the videos that old hurt sits in the way of us having a good and healthy conversation, by the way. When you go into that conversation, remember the words of Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. Boy, my conversations with my daughter may have gone better if I'd thought about what she needs to hear and not what I needed to get off my chest. Bear with each other. Forgive each other and guard your tongue. That's the second thing that I think Scripture tells us. And the third thing, and we've kind of spoken about it already, is engage for the sake of the other. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to those of the other. I've spoken enough about hyper-individualism and the effect that that has had on our relationships, but this verse from Philippians actually reminded me also of a very famous speech from the previous or one of the earlier U.S. presidents, John F. Kennedy. He said, ask not, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. 
Now, he obviously said that from a sort of patriotic, nationalistic perspective, but what if we applied a sentence like that to our relationships? Ask not what this person can do for me, but what I can do for this person. What if we engage in our relationships following the example of Jesus? He was the king, but he came not to be served, but to serve. Engage in our relationships for the sake of the other. And then, when we give first, we will get back. When we sow the seeds of our investment, of our nurturing into the, into the healthy soil of a fruitful relationship, then we will receive back the love, the friendship, the companionship. So those are the three things I wanted to pick out from Scripture. I can tell you that Scripture tells us a lot more. It talks about extending hospitality, not judging others, hanging in there when things are tough, and also the importance of prayer. But I'm not, I, I just don't have time to spend on all of those here this morning. So I just wanted to close by saying this. Friends, loneliness is a massive issue in our society. It's a massive issue here in this church as well. I suspect that if we would do a survey right now, and I would ask the question, who of you experiences loneliness from time to time? That we would be horrified with the result. They've done studies here in Amsterdam, they've done studies in other big cities across the world, and they get to numbers of around 50%, 5-0, answering yes to that question. If we take a conservative percentage and we think one-third, that would mean if you now, where you're sitting, look left, look right, on average, one of the three of you is experiencing Loneliness from time to time. That's huge. And in this time where technologically we are more connected than ever. If that is you, if you answer yes to that question, I want to tell you that you're not alone in feeling alone. I want to tell you that those feelings are not your fault and it's not because society has somehow rejected you. I think it's because the way society has started thinking, actually for a long time has thought. I think it's because of things such as hyper-individualism and instant gratification the speed and efficiency with which we want to do stuff and communicate has gotten in the way of us investing time in the messiness, in the time-consuming nature of real relationship. And so it's time to buck the trend. 
And that's why here at Crossroads, we are spending so much time on coming to the table. You'll remember our previous series on, on relationship, on spending time together. The Bible tells us how, but like with so many things in our Christian walk, we need to make the first move. You know those names that you were just thinking about? Those names that you put on your list? Don't wait. Don't go, I'll wait for the other person to make the move first. You go. You go. And you nurture that, invest, that, that relationship. You bear with the other person. You forgive. And you go in it with the need of the others first. We need relationship because it is in our DNA. It is who we are meant to be. And it is time that we moved away from thinking in terms of the individual to thinking again in terms of the collective. That's my message. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.